What's up, everyone? This is Trey Van Camp, and you are listening to the Ministry Podcast. Now, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. We're still going through the Sermon on the Mount, and today is a fun one. We're going to be talking about retaliation, revenge, violence, you know, all the things that we love. Uh, go check out John Wick 3. It's all about that. It all happened, if you kill my dog, I will kill the whole mafia, is I think what the kind of the theme for John Wick 3. To be honest, I'm so excited to go see it. I haven't seen it yet. I'm a huge John Wick fan. I know that I'm going to sound hypocritical the rest of this time, but it's fantastic. Now, before we jump into that, one of my joys, I don't know if you guys are a part of it. In fact, I almost want you to raise your hand. My wife is a part of, and I feel like it's Fight Club, Jordan, where you're not allowed to say it out loud, because I'm pretty sure you're going to kicked off of the platform, but there's this group on Facebook called Wives Club. Anybody else a part of that? Well, you guys need to jump on and ask Jordan after. Husbands, you'll love it. So it's called Wives Club, but I no doubt know that husbands, you, I mean, we spend our weekends, like I'm like, all right, Jordan, Give me the, spill the tea. You know, like what else is happening on this wife's club? And, and so sometimes it's sad, sometimes it's not or whatever. But usually it's my husband's terrible. How do I get back at him? And the girls just love it. They just jump on it, kill him, you know, type stuff. John Tucker must die. What is that movie? That's like what it is, okay? And so it's so fun for me. Just this last weekend, I need to change some of the facts because I really want you to stay a part of the group. But there was this girl, she said, oh my gosh, my brother-in-law just came over and, she, and he said something really honestly super offensive. And it's like, it didn't make sense to her because this brother-in-law, if you're here today, I'm so sorry, <laughs> but this brother-in-law dropped off their dog uh, to, to watch for the weekend. And on, her way, on his way out, he made a really rude comment to his brother's wife. Are you guys tracking with me so far? This is all the dirt, okay? And so, and so they're like, what should I do? And the comments people have, people are so creative. And it was just how to pay back this one. Some of the ones I thought were really funny. Um, I wish you were here. You read most of them out loud to me. One that was really funny is like, you need to on the last day when he comes home, just like, oh, we put him, apparently there's this thing called the dog hotel. You guys ever? Yeah. And so like, just give him all the things and then have him pick him up with the huge bill at the end. I thought that was a good kind of revenge. I just felt good reading these. One of them was really funny. They said, get him a new dog tag and just put owner's name. And it was not a nice word. <laughs> so I thought that was pretty funny. Over and over, I was like, how come I'm having so much joy just thinking about this retaliation moment? And to be honest, I think there's just something within all of us. We just, we kind of crave it. We are entertained by it. In fact, this morning, I wish we just got more updates on what she actually did. It's really quite fascinating, but we're actually looking, what Jesus is talking about here is exactly that. Um, but I think we're going to be shocked how often um, we actually, even as Christians, promote violence more than we should and even promote um, and tolerate retaliation probably more than we should. I think it's celebrated and tolerated in our culture. And it's actually really interesting as Christians as well. We tend to just have no problem with it at all. I think it's celebrated by what we watch. Again, I'm going to be watching John Wick 3. I think it's fantastic. I love Keanu Reeves. Um, but there's something to that. I think also it's how we, we tolerate it by how we vote. Something that's been very... Um, talked about a lot, especially when it comes to certain violence and stuff like abortion. I know this has been a hot topic, especially the last couple of weeks with what happened in Georgia. Um, but I think a lot of us, we just kind of downplay some of those things. Uh, but this is something I think as Christians, we have not figured out in America. There's actually a poll, um, these statistics, they were asking Christians their view on violence. And what was actually fascinating is 
majority of Christians had a higher view of like wanting violence more than non-religious people, which I thought was interesting. And the other thing, they agreed only 10% of Christians who were, uh, you know, analyzed for this test, this te- whatever, this survey, said that they, only 10% of them believed their view on violence was the same of Jesus's Christ's view on violence. So it's interesting, of all our Christian life, and we've been talking about practicing the ways of Jesus, we want to, we really believe that Jesus is not just our savior, but he's brilliant, right? Like he really shows us how to live. It's interesting when it comes to this topic of retaliation and violence, we, sit, we tend to uh, not necessarily agree with Jesus. So I know right out the gate, we're gonna be talking about things that maybe you won't agree with me, but I ask you just to uh, have an open mind this morning and listen how we've been, I've been wrestling through this text this week, and I hope that encourages you as well. As we're looking at this, I, I do wanna say right Right away. I do think some people, when we read this passage, we oversimplify. We think that this is very direct. I do think some of these situations we're going to be looking at do require context. But also, I think some people try to overcomplicate in order to just excuse violence. So this is going to be a fun morning. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, which is quoting from the Old Testament. But I tell you, don't resist this is a big word we're looking at. Don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, if anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. As for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Again, I love the, I love the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus is painting a picture of a people that just seem almost, it just seems impossible to live by. Can you imagine actually having people that live this way? But Jesus, again, we need to remember, this isn't how we get into heaven, but when Jesus has actually radically changed our lives, he's enabling us to actually live this way. Now, I want to give some context though. Verse 38, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That is actually in the Old Testament. And so a lot of people are like, oh, see the Old Testament contradicts the New Testament. Well, I think it's actually really easy to explain. A few weeks back, we talked about how there's different laws. Remember that? There are uh, ceremonial laws, which we are saying those ceremonial laws point to the way to life. It actually points to what Jesus does for us on the cross, the sacrificial lambs, all that sort of thing. There are moral laws, which we believe are pointing the way to live. This is just like really smart stuff. Do not murder. I think all of us should live by that standard, right? But then you have judicial laws, And judicial laws always point to the government of Israel. So it's not necessarily moral laws, but it's how Jerusalem, how Israel would be able to operate as a country. So we have to be wise in reading the Old Testament to understand those differences because it's really important how we apply it to ourselves. So in other words, it's important for us to realize in this context, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, God was actually giving this command to the judges of Israel. So when a judge brought forth the, you know, the situation, he would have to say, okay, this has to have justice because if you get wronged, what do you want to do? You don't want to just make it even. You want to one-up them a little bit, right? You always want to make sure don't do that again. The judge's job was to say, okay, this just needs to be perfectly even. When it's left to the individual, I think it's impossible to really do the eye for the eye, the tooth for the tooth. Um, So we need to understand that this is more for, in this Old Testament context, this is for the institution than it is for the individual. So for this context, I believe what God is saying is Jesus is saying this is more for the individual than it is for the institution. This is point one. This is the meaning of eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And I think it helps us in understanding even the New Testament context. Justice, 
Not revenge was always God's intent. So when he says eye for eye, tooth for tooth, it wasn't let's create a culture of revenge. It was, hey, there just needs to be justice to be served. Now, spoiler alert, it's going to be great. The cross is how we get justice. And now Paul says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. We don't have to try to do these things individually because God takes care of it. But again, in this government, it was always the intent was for justice. And I think oftentimes when we look at this passage, we think of revenge. In fact, the Pharisees were doing exactly that. Remember when Jesus was giving the Sermon on the Mount, many Pharisees were in the crowd and it was taught that instead of this being institutional, the Pharisees started teaching, this is what you do as an individual. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Everything has to be fair. And again, it wasn't so much about justice, but they started to learn in that Old Testament context, they thought it was more about revenge. So, I believe in this passage for us, Jesus is flipping it on its head and saying, what does this mean for you as an individual? There is a few authors throughout history that I believe have misinterpreted this passage. Have you guys ever heard, in fact, me and Jordan and uh, her family played, what was that game called? Uh, Chameleon. You guys ever heard of that game? It is incredible. I don't know how to explain it real quick, but it's awesome. But anyways, one of the topics was authors, and uh, the one we picked was Tolstoy. So your job is to kind of describe in one word who that person is. That's the quickest way I could do it. What's really funny is our entire family, except me, um, was like, who's Tolstoy? So we just threw away the author one, and we just went back to sports, you know, because we all know sports more than authors. But Tolstoy was actually a Russian author, and he actually read the Sermon on the Mount, and in interpreted this as this applied to institutions. And he believed that this means there should be no police, there should be no soldiers. We are never a retaliating culture at all. So you have to work through that. Is Jesus meaning this is something, uh, America, it is so wrong we have war? Um, Again, it is wrong we have war, but it's something we have to do to protect. All those sorts of things. In fact, you guys ever heard of Gandhi? You've at least heard of him, right? Gandhi was actually inspired by Tolstoy, and he believed the institutions, the government, should create a system where they do not retaliate. So I want us to look at this, though. What I believe the proper, I think there can be some institutional applications, but for us today, I really think the individual is what matters most, and I think it's definitely what Jesus is meaning here. All right, so look at verse 39. It says, but I tell you, don't resist an evildoer. Now this don't resist kind of gives you a, a cause of like uneasiness. And I think rightly so. Doesn't this feel like, okay, be a doormat. Whoever does you wrong, just don't resist. Let them do whatever you want. And so to be honest, I was really struggling with this text this week. How is that honestly what God has called us to do? Because for me, I will not let my daughters get taken advantage of, amen? I will not let certain people just run over people. That that I don't believe is the heart of God. So I did a a Greek lesson here, and this Greek word, do not resist, is antitestini. And it literally means to engage in revengeful or violent retaliation. So the emphasis when Jesus' people heard this, like, oh, don't resist, meaning don't violently fight back. There's a different solution. N.T. Wright, I think, does it best. In other words, the way he translated this was, don't use violence to resist evil. You guys with me? So, so don't violently fight back. In other words, we have to see this. When Jesus says don't resist, it doesn't necessarily mean non-resistance. It means non-violent resistance. It's a really important difference there. 
Because again, I think like as a father, I am protecting my kids. I, don't, I am going to be resisting, amen? And in fact, probably violently, I'll just ask sorry later. No, I'm just kidding. I need to apply this passage. Oh, Lord, help me. So let's look at what, what does Jesus mean? So I think when we look at these four uh, illustrations, it'll make sense. So the first example, what do we have? Okay, so don't resist an evildoer. On the contrary, okay, Jesus, if you don't want us to violently resist, how do we do it? If anyone slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. Now, when you read the Bible, you can't just like read it and then go on. You got to like try to make it real in real life. And so I'm thinking, okay, I have to walk through this. I need to act like I'm there. And then I thought, okay, it'd be perfect to have Jordan come up. And I thought, no way, me slapping her, that would not be a good look. Her slapping me, I think she'll enjoy it too much. So, um, Oh man, who's quick? Caleb, I need you to come up here. I, this, I didn't even warn you, bro. You got to come up here, man. I'm, I'm being dead serious. Come up here. It only makes sense this way. So it's fascinating. I feel terrible. Guys, I've read the Bible my whole life, pretty much. I didn't tell you nothing. This is payback for some stuff this week. Anyways, it was revenge. Oh, this is terrible. This is all going back to haunt me. So look, your right cheek. So anytime I'm thinking of slapping, right? That's your right cheek. But when you think of slap, don't you think this way? Like when you slap with this, right? But in fact, slapping on the right cheek, it's so important to know. Me and Jeremy, we have a grandma that, <laughs> you don't even know where I'm going. <laughs> well, we're cousins, by the way. Um, we have a grandmother that despises if you're left-handed. Anybody else have like a grandma that's like, she better not write anymore with her left hand? So my daughter Faith, just stay up here. My daughter Faith writes and left. And she's like, you got to fix that. I'm like, I don't think it really matters. No, you got to fix that. I'm like, why? You know? So anyways, I know golf clubs, that's annoying to buy. But besides that, anyways, I'm going back to you. Shay's a lefty too. Pray for her. Now, in Israel, you were actually taught that. Everybody had to be right-handed. So when he was talking to people, you have to remember right-handed people. So if I'm right-handed, and if I have to hit your right cheek, how do I slap him? A backhanded slap. Does that make sense? Should I do it harder? No, just kidding. <laughs> so a backhanded slap. So if I slap you with backhand, and now turn the left cheek as well, you're just facing straight back at me, right? You're just, and then I'd have to actually hit you. Thank you, Caleb. Um, I just wanted to slap you. That's, I probably didn't even help anything at all. It just felt really good. <laughs> just revenge. Uh, so here's what we have to see. More than this being a violent act towards somebody, this was actually a disgraceful, this was, I am taking a blow intentionally to your ego. I am telling you, you are not as human as I am. I am telling you, you are a dog. Which, by the way, guys, in America, I know you love dogs more than your children, but in, in the Middle East, that's, that was a bad thing, okay? So this meant a backhanded slap. So in other words, he's saying when somebody just goes straight to your heart, like literally the people who would do a backhanded slap is like a master to his slaves. He's saying when that happens to you, turn the other cheek as well. So again, it's not just this physical pain. It's this ego. You're being deflated at its core, and your ego hurts more than your cheek hurts. I think that's important for us to understand this context, because I don't know about you, but not many of you get slapped on the cheek, but many of you get your ego hurt constantly, and I think this is how we can apply it. The other one, he says, hand over your coat as well. He says, um, as for the one who wants to sue you and take away your shirt, let him have your coat as well. Now, 
for this, it was um, advised, of course, to if somebody was trying to take your stuff, of course, you need to step up and fight for all of your goods. But Jesus is saying, no, you need to just let them have it. Why is Jesus saying this? This is fascinating. Why is he saying, don't stand up for yourself, just allow these things to happen to you? It's actually funny. I actually even read this week, the hand over your coat as well. Um, People kind of interpret it as Jesus was saying, just strip naked in the courtroom and see what happens. Don't do that. Again, we can apply the Bible literally not here. Amen? Why are these so hurtful? It dehumanizes us. It devalues our worth. Some of us, we have all these goods and it's how we define ourselves. And when people take it away, it hurts us at our core. See, here's the problem here. Both of these instances and the first two examples, we are hurt because we are being dehumanized. And when we get dehumanized, we want to violently retaliate. Throughout history, the easiest way to wipe out a tribe, to wipe out a group, is to first dehumanize them and stop calling them human. If you read your history, the Nazis, they started calling Jewish people rats. Why would they do that? Because if you dehumanize them, it gets a whole lot easier to exterminate them. You even think about that in your own life. When we're calling people names, doing these things, what we're actually doing at its core is dehumanizing them. And in fact, I think, again, the abortion argument, I think it goes down to, is this a baby or is this a fetus? If you somehow are able to say it's a fetus, it's a whole lot easier to get rid of. When you believe it's a human, your conscience starts to really bother you, right? So the problem here is dehumanization. Now, this is what I love about scripture. No matter what your past, no matter what you've done, the beauty of the image of God is that everyone's created in the image of God. Everyone is is divinely created and they are human and that's beautiful and they have supreme value. You with me so far? This will all make sense. Let's keep chugging along. So in these first two examples, I want us to see, when we feel dehumanized, what do you do? We respond in one of two ways, fight or flight. Which one do you do? Don't let me know. I already know. I just, I've talked to you before. No, me and my wife, it's terrible. We're both flight. So when we fight, we are out of there. We are just like, well, okay, bye. And we'll talk again later and we come up with our comebacks and it just never is good, you know, a week later. Um, but some of you, let's, let's take off the gloves and fight right now. So some of you, and, and, and applying this, you fill your heart with revenge. You want to fight. You want to take care of the solution. Others of you, you just want to get out. You fill your heart with resentment. It's not that you forgave them, but you just want to leave the situation, but they are never going to be back in your life again. Both of these are wrong. Jesus is saying in the world, most people do one or, uh, one or the other, and yet I love Jesus is actually offering us a different alternative. And this is so good. This is point number two. The way of Jesus calls you to humanize yourself rather than humiliate your opponent. This is really good, guys. Um, by the way, I don't know who can figure it out, but our TV's not working back there. I don't care as much, but I know our musicians are going to freak out when those lyrics aren't up there. So whoever wants to fix that, nobody. Okay. <laughs> All right. Anybody with me today? Now, the way of Jesus calls you to humanize yourself rather than humiliate your opponent. What do I mean by that? So when he's saying, when you get back, when you get the slap on your right cheek, 
It will make your person who hurts you so happy if you retaliate because then they can prove this was, I was, I should have done this. You are a bad person. I'm going to hit you back again. But when we get hit on the cheek and then just face him again and not retaliate, what does it do? It, it humanizes yourself. It shows that you're a human and you actually are a better human because you are not retaliating. It immediately makes them feel guilty. My wife, she watches CSI. Any CSI fans, she always says, if you ever get stolen, I'm like, babe, I won't. But she's like, don't park next to a van, right? All these things. And so she said, if you ever do, just immediately start talking about your children and their names and how old they are and what you love to do on the weekends. Because why? It humanizes yourself and it makes it a whole lot harder for them to actually take a violent action. That's exactly what he's saying here. Humanize yourself because showing our vulnerability actually shows our value and it makes it a whole lot harder for your person who is going against you to actually continue to hurt you. Make sense? I feel like I got no response today. Is this not? Thanks, well, I don't want claps. I'm just now, let me do a side note though. If you are a woman who is being abused in a home, this, this is different. Okay, guys, this isn't us saying, oh, your husband keeps hitting you. Just keep giving the other cheek and you'll be fine. We say, we want to protect you. We're asking you, like, report this to the authorities. There has to at least be a break. There's got to be a lot of counseling. This is not something that you just suck it up. And to be honest, I'm so sorry. I know people throughout history, some pastors just say, you just need to be submissive. You know, you can't that, that's not us, okay? So, so I think Jesus here, I think we have to use our wisdom. We have to also think of other parts of scripture and just realize that this isn't just a, oh, everything. I think there needs to be wisdom and context here. However, when you do humanize yourself, there's a big chance that they get convicted of their sin. I've been playing LA Fitness a lot lately, basketball. And uh, this guy, if you saw my Instagram stories about a week and a half ago, he, he did a moving pick and it was wrong. And so I was just like, dude, that's cheap. I don't know why I said it that way. I was like, that's cheap. Apparently I found this guy's one button. Don't use the word cheap around him. He flipped. He started saying all the cuss words. And he's like, let's go outside. And I just, I was like, bro, I, I, I really hate it because I know I look like a wimp, but I was getting ready for this message. I was like, thanks, Jesus. I was like, dude, we're fine. It wasn't a moving pick. Yeah, it was. But you know, it's, it's good. And it was actually funny because I said, dude, I am not looking here for trouble. This is just a basketball game. We don't get a trophy at the end of this anyways, <laughs> you know? So I was like, we're good, man. I'm sorry. And he immediately changed his tone. But I thought, if I step right back up, we're having issues today. If I step right back up, I think we would have fought. But don't worry. I think I would have won. But he's a little shorter than me. And uh, <laughs> just, I got that dad bod now, so watch out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> Just kidding. But I think that's what happens. So I think that's what Jesus is calling us to, to humanize yourself by not humiliating your opponent. You are showing, you are showing them their superiority issues. We need to keep going on to the next examples. So I really believe if you want to summarize these first two examples is often when we fight, the reason why somebody is hurting you is because they're dehumanizing you. The best thing to do instead of dehumanizing them right back is actually to humanize yourself and show your vulnerability and allow them to continue, okay? Now, let's look at verse 41 and 42. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. Can we just all agree, this is tough. Like, I don't like walking. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
This, some of this stuff is really hard to apply, and it really is my heart's desire that we actually apply this and not just think, oh, that's what like the great Jesus followers do, this, you know, I'm not going to be walking two miles. I do think, though, that this will be helpful for us if we realize this is actually something we can apply. Now, go with him one mile and go and wind up going with him too. This is actually really missed in our culture because back in the day, especially Israel, when he's teaching them, uh, Israel was under Roman occupation and they had this rule. The Roman centurions, the Roman soldiers, they always had things to carry and they at any moment can just simply tell somebody, hey, carry this with me until the next post, like until the next journey. And they had to say yes. Like literally, if, even if it was your wedding day, but the Roman soldier said, I need you to walk with me now, you had to to carry it with them. This obviously was really hard for them. This, the last thing you wanted to do was to help them. And so what the Jews would do is they would do it, but they wouldn't look at the Roman soldier. They would do it begrudgingly, just how your kids, when you tell them to clean their room, it takes forever and they don't want to actually want to do it and they cry the whole time. This was like the disposition, even I'm talking about college students, not just, uh, no, but this was the disposition that the Jews had. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. I want you to take it a step further pun, nothing. Okay. It is a rough day today. Step further, another mile, nothing. I even planned that joke. Um, I'll go another mile for you. What he's saying is he's humanizing him and saying, so, and saying, yeah, I, I will help you. In fact, where do you really need to take it? I'll go further than I need to go. Now, this other one, number four, the fourth illustration, kind of, I, I believe, says the same thing. Give to the one who asks you, and don't turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This is referring to beggars on the street. You guys ever feel that? Who else? I feel terrible, but like Panda Express, I don't want to go there anymore because they always ask, thank you, do you want to give a, uh, an extra $2 to the... I'm like... I feel like I have to explain my whole life story about how I give and support to all these. You know what I'm saying? Like they feel this guilt anyways. Panda's not even that good. You're hungry in an hour anyways. But, um, and so this is what was happening. You would feel this guilt. And so the Jews, instead of giving to them, they would just kind of say, well, of course you, you need to work harder. You need to work hard like I've worked and, and move on. And this was, was an issue uh, for them. So Jesus is offering another alternative. So I want us to see these first two examples were more about you getting dehumanized by your opponent. But these last two examples are how when we often have a tendency to dehumanize our opponent. See the difference there? See, most retaliation, we think of when somebody's done wrong to us. But we have to also see in retaliation, we are also dehumanizing the other. So the way of Jesus, what we just said, calls you to humanize yourself rather than humiliate your opponent. But also, this is the next point, the way of Jesus calls you to humanize your opponent by humiliating yourself. That's good. Like imagine if a Roman guard comes up to you and says, you need to take this with me for one mile. The way of Jesus, the followers of the way would say, okay, and as I take it, where do you really need this? Instead of you having to go through the issue of finding another person in a mile, I'll keep going with you. And while we're going, what's your name? You have a family? Oh, cool. What got you into this whole Roman centurion gig? Right? What, how did you, I don't even think, the times I think it's not even funny, Jordan. I don't know. I give up. Like what, what and just ask honest questions about them. You know, I think this would really help in our political climate. 
actually learning about the people we're yelling at on Twitter, just like asking them questions about their life. What's so incredible is it humanizes them, it humanizes yourself, and there is this, this beauty that comes from it. Um, he's saying hu- humanize your opponent by humiliating yourself because you feel like you do have the right to, if you had to do it, at least I, I'm going to hold my dignity by at least not talking to him the whole way. And he's saying strip it all down, not your clothes this time, but strip it all down and just ask him where he's from, what he does, why does he do what he does. And this is also the same with the beggar. Something that I try to practice more and more. Again, it's really hard for us. It's so hot out. We don't have as many homeless people, um, especially in Queen Creek. But it's so easy for us to look at them and think, oh, right? Like, they're so stupid. How do they get to that, that situation? I don't know. How about you ask them? How about you humanize them, realize, guys, all of us are only a few decisions away from that kind of same exact issue. So get them food, get them what they need, but sit down with them and ask them about who they are. Ask them, humanize them. So much of our issues in today's world is because we are obsessed with dehumanizing people. I think that's why you can apply all these other things, adultery in the heart, when we're lusting after women, what we are doing is we are trying to dehumanize them so we can use them as objects rather than honor them as humans. I think this is so good. Cool. Everything's fixed now. There we go. No retaliation needed. Now, um, how, but my question is, how do we as people of the way, how do we as people of Jesus, how do we not read this and think, okay, this seems like an impossible task, but we just have to do it, right? It just seems like, yes, this sounds like crazy. This sounds like only my grandma who's been in church her whole life. She can pull this off, but I cannot. I really believe, first of all, we have the Holy Spirit. We, he is enabling us to do these things. So I've done this 21-day practice, right? We, we just take that step. God empowers us to do things we never thought we could imagine. But it always goes back to the cross. Here's what's so incredible. When Jesus, he is preaching this message, but he knows it all comes to fruition because of what he's about to do in dying and, and, and resurrecting. And what we know on the cross, justice, not revenge, was always God's intent. So we know justice is served because Jesus has taken care of it for us. We know that, guess what? God deserves to bring revenge on us. God deserves to pour his justice on us. But instead, Jesus on the cross took our punishment so that we can take his grace. And that honestly, just understanding the forgiveness that we've received changes in how we are actually enabled to forgive others. So just start right there. Realize because of the cross, justice has been served and we don't feel like we have to have this heart of retaliation and revenge. But here's the other thing that's incredible. On the cross, just like point number two, Jesus humanized himself rather than humiliating his opponents. Don't you love that when when he's on the cross and they're like, why don't, if, if you really are the son of David, why don't you call the angels down, right? Like, why can't you just walk away from this? But what does he do? He does absolutely nothing. He takes the blows in complete silence. Why? Although he is fully God, Jesus is also fully man. And he is humanizing himself, and he is saying, I will just, I'm, I'm not going to humiliate my opponents. In fact, what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I love that, because also on the cross, Jesus humanized his enemies by humiliating himself 
On the cross, Jesus displayed his full entirety of his humanity. He suffered. He received the punishment that you and I deserved. He humiliated himself. Again, those who he could have just wiped everybody out. Instead, he was the one who took it on him. He humanized his enemies. Again, saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And we have to recognize the essence of the gospel is that we were once the enemies of God. We were the ones who have sinned against him. But because Jesus humanized himself rather than humiliating us, and humanize his enemies by recognizing, the, I know these are my enemies, but I still love them. For while we are still sinners, what? Christ died for us. He saw the beauty in our humanity and the wickedness at the same time. And on the cross, he took care, he took care of the wickedness to give us a brand new life. So because of the cross, we are actually able to humanize ourselves because we know we are worthy of his affection. And because of the cross, we can humanize our opponents because we know they are also worthy of his affection because God created them as well. And so because of the cross, it is grace, not revenge, that we are able to extend. That's the answer. It's not this, you can do it, it's, it's been done for you on the cross, and we are simply people who have received that grace, and we gladly and generously find the third option where we're not fighting back, and we're not flying out of the situation, but we are in faith, sticking through it, and humanizing the situation to bring about glory to God. Thank you.